I'm EJ Massa, joining me today, Frankie Frey, Nia Shalesky, and we're the Red Letter Media Ripoff Show. They're the only ones allowed to talk about movies. Only ones. Legally. Legally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Star Wars. You yeah. saw the movie. I saw the Star Wars. This is three or four weeks after it's aired, yeah. after everyone has already talked about it. Right. Which, which Star Wars is this? The Rogue Squadron. <laughs> the one about the young lady coming into her own, having suffered a tragic background. Yes. <laughs> no, that was last year. Except they did it blander this year. Yeah. Like, I, I think they're equally bland, it's just this one didn't smile as much. <laughs> <laughs> the last one smiled. But, We're on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, over there it's on Solo. <laughs> I'm, I'm told that that's how, why she's carrying Oh, because she was all starry-eyed yeah. and, yeah, like, really. naive? I, I went into the thrift and I found the thing. I don't know what the fuck she says. And on that topic, I ain't too thrilled about Finn. I liked this movie a lot more last year. <laughs> this guy, this guy right here, this Kylo, one of my favorite Star Wars things to ever... I think Kylo Ren, not just the toy, I'm talking about the character. Yeah, I, like I, I think he's fantastic. I like Adam Driver. I like uh, yeah. his presence. Yeah, they talked about, like, people often crap on Marvel for not having good uh, villains. So far, I'm kind of seeing like maybe a little bit of weakness in the protagonists in these new Star Wars movies and really strong villains. Yeah, I think two for two, we have really strong villains. I like di Director Krennic. James Earl Jones said dire director instead of director. And I think it, it did kind of pull away from Krennic that you had Grand Moff Tarkin and Darth Vader in it. Also, I, what I liked about Krennic was that he felt like he had real motivations. Yeah, yeah really, really clear. Um, he, 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 I, I got a pretty good sense of his past, uh, what it is he's looking for. He knows this family pretty well. Yeah. Um, it's complicated. There's, it, it's a world only recently post empire. And, yeah. and, and, and here's and he's a, trying to move up in the world. He's trying to move up in the world. And he, he has some have, really well-defined motivation. It's kind of implied. He comes maybe from a poor background or something. Yeah. And he's, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's trying to get a rise up in the ranks and the empire is his vehicle to do so. He's not necessarily pure evil or anything. And that's the thing I like, is that he's not just like, I'm a wizard and I chose black magic. Yeah. It's it's more relatable to me, is like, I'm just trying to like, do my thing. And in he's world. in charge of the biggest weapon they have. Essentially, he might as well be in charge of their whole army. This is the weapon that mm. he couldn't have known it at the time, but will come to be the centerpiece of all Star Wars films to follow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he's protecting his legacy. He's pro where, I, where I work and where I've worked in my life, like I see leaders who are looking to have legacy projects. Yes. Like, that's a big part of, you know, like, you know, I, I work for a college president, and he's got things he wants to do with the face of that college that will be his legacy. Yeah. That's what this dude is. You know, he yeah. wants something that he can slap his name on a little bit. Yeah, Obama protecting his legacy. <laughs> exactly. The movie, in concept, has fundamental problems that I think, in general, good filmmaking transcends. For one being, like, Finding the plans to something that somebody later will destroy is a little bit of an underwhelming plot, especially since it's a little bit Titanic-esque in as much yes. as we know where it's going. But I, I, I think that uh, inevitability can be an interesting plot point sometimes. Yeah, you it, know? It's like the thing where they did a study where they put spoilers to books within the first paragraph, mm -hmm. and they did like control without that. And the people who had the spoilers enjoy the book more because they were worried less about This is how I operate. I actually don't like avoiding spoilers. I like hearing what's going to happen and then seeing it play she out is still fine for me. We watched the pilot episode of a TV series and she goes to Wikipedia and she learns the whole season and then she likes it. And the then I enjoy it more while I watch it. They're, they're, I like, can't do that. I, I do kind of play into like the internet uh, hysteria. 
and that hysteria that you avoid spoilers. I kind of play into that a little bit. Did also, you, spoiler alert. Did you put a spoiler warning in here? <laughs> We're going to do a spoiler warning because I never even know when I'm giving spoilers. It's just that I have in my life experienced a surprise twist in the story. And it's been and, enjoyed. And, and it's such a great high that you don't really want that ruined. I, I don't think I, I avoid them to the death, especially no. for something like Star Wars. I was watching a review of Fuller House and somebody was like, so spoilers ahead. <laughs> Like, what, what are you gonna? What are you gonna tell me? I think the movie has a lot going for it. It, it if you're a Star Wars fan, it's a feast for the eyes. I mean, it's 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 some of the most icon- iconic um, imagery from Star Wars that you know, doing things you've never seen happen before. Um, I think the star battle, the, the you know the Rebel fleet versus the Empire battle at the end is incredible. It's it, it's perfect. That, that, mo- that moment where, yeah. so there was a few moments that took my breath away mm. where I was actually like, like elated, like a child, like Nina can attest to this. Yeah. And, and yeah. Was, in the, in, in the theater. Like, <laughs> le- leaning forward and being like, like just can't believe that I'm seeing it. And one of those moments was the first reveal of the AT-ATs. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, just basically the ground view of them. Just be- seeing them looking oh, up. Yeah. Pretty awesome. It's pretty amazing. When the rebel fleet was like, "All right, guys, we got the data. Let's get out of here. Let's jump into hyperspace," mm. and and the fucking star destroyers <laughs> jump out of hyperspace and, and they just and collide into them. Oh. That was amazing. Like. <laughs> I, I would say, I gotta say, like, probably best star battle in a Star Wars movie of all time. I, I would say so. Yeah. Um, especially yeah, the the prequels, I think, kind of ruined star battles. They were too muddled. And, 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 and secondary. And secondary. Because normally they were cutting back to a lightsaber duel, or they weren't really... Yeah, like, the ground battle was playing into the sky battle. Yes. Which, which Return of the Jedi is the closest thing to something like that ever happening. Yeah. And we all know that the Ewok battle, not the strongest in the world. Yeah, it's... We'll, yeah, it's we'll fine. Defend it. It's we'll fine. Defend it. <laughs> I'll defend it. It's always fun I mean, at the time. It's been it, grandfathered in. Yeah. You know what though? It's dumber now. Yeah. Because, because now we've seen like okay, this re- like now that we're getting all this new scope in Star Wars, we're seeing just how big the Empire was, just how small the Rebellion was, mm. and and in the final moments of the Empire, some teddy bears take it all down. <laughs> I mean, like yeah, <laughs> it makes fair. it makes a lot less sense. There's a good character here and there but the characters are pretty weak in this thing. They're pretty underwritten, and... Um, and the main character, the the female lead, was stronger in the trailer than she was in the film. Yeah, it feels like a lot was stripped out of her storyline. Just based on what I've seen in the trailer, like uh, Forrest Whitaker's giving her a speech we never see. What will you do when they catch you? If you continue to fight... And he even looks younger in the trailer, so yeah. it must have been a flashback. So, and even him, like, yeah, like why he decided to just go ahead and commit suicide. Why is he Immortal Joe? Yeah, like, Immortal that... Joe. He's got too much going on with the, the mask. He's got, like, uh, the robot legs. He's, he's gone got, crazy at some he's, he's, he's making a bold, bold choice with his... <laughs> he's got an octopus that reads people's brains and then does nothing with the information. I, I, I think this movie went... It, it had some bones broken during mm-hmm. the editing. To that point, this main character had two father figures, mm-hmm. and they both die sequentially. I would not want to be your father figure, but um, so one of those could have been cut. They could have picked one. It's like she wouldn't be that attached to to her father, right? Yeah, because she she lost him pretty early on. She'd be a lot more attached to Saw Guerrero. Yeah, she's. It's all pretty confusing. So it should there should have been a. a 
some sort of streamlining. We talked about the fact that this is Disney and like the mom goes pretty early because I was like, this mom <laughs> should have stuck with her and hid with her like a decent mother. And then, oh, I'm going to get shot to death in a field. Like that was a bad decision. We could have still had a mother in here, but Disney must have axed her. So let's, let's, let's talk about character writing yeah. for a second. You know, we're filmmakers. We, yeah. we know how to tell yeah. a story, right? I think so. Um, <laughs> what makes a character good? I think they, that there, there has to be something about them, maybe even only one thing. That would even that's okay. That's extraordinary. Yeah. There has to be something extraordinary about you, right? Like you meet people in real life yeah. who would be you would say if they were in a movie you'd say that's a pretty underwritten character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you because know? there's nothing extraordinary about them. Because mm. in general, movies are about extraordinary happenings. Mm. Or if they're not, they're about extraordinary people. Or if they're not, it's about an extraordinary moment in an unextraordinary person's yeah. life. An extraordinary yeah. circumstance. And 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 we definitely know that, that that there's an extraordinary circumstance. There's extraordinary stakes in this movie. Yep. That you got people that are kind of robots. Yeah, they're they're fulfilling their roles. Well, when your favorite character is a robot, you're kind of like, well, and really, K two S O has the most characters. Yeah, because he at least has a defined trait, which is that he's blunt. Yeah. You know, and that's something. Uh, and, and also, I would say the Donnie Yen character, Chidaru or something, whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, the fact that he's, like, this religious type. K- K2SO also has the best arc. He has, like, an actual yeah. arc, which no uh, one else he has. He has the Han Solo arc. I, I want to say that the characters have good character design. I thought, as a ragtag group of... For types. ...of individuals... I thought they looked visually strong. Yeah, you, you can separate them out. They're not just like a big mass of, well, these are the rebels. But you could probably thin out their numbers a little and boost some of their uh, backstory, boost some of their yeah, motivations. The director was Gareth Edwards. Did you see that Godzilla 2014 movie? I did not. So it's a big piece of shit. <laughs> and, and, uh, and not everybody will agree with that. But the thing is, is that it, it, it's a whole lot of no monsters. And it's a whole lot of close-ups of boring, really underwritten characters. I mean, yeah. I mean, um, d- depravely underwritten characters. I mean, it, it, nothing like Rogue One. Rogue One's fantastic. <laughs> um, I mean, it's the, the, it, it, it's a uh, it's Quicksilver and and uh, Scarlet Witch. Actually, it's those two. You know, it's the kick-ass kid and third interesting Olsen. <laughs> <laughs> and they neither of them are interesting at all in that movie. And, and he kind of is looking away from the action most of the time. But guess what? He has an amazing third act. Uh, he's really good at So there's something act. about this dude in his third... He, <laughs> he, like, he kind of just wastes time for a little while. And Although I saw... So I saw the movie twice. Okay. And, and I had some of these problems, but nothing that made me feel like really sour on the movie. No. And then I watched it again... I felt a little better about it because I got to—I knew people a little bit better. I was forgiving some of the pl- the uh, you know the character problems a little bit more. I loved visiting all these different planets. I, I heard some criticism where people were like, "Ah, oh, it's too many planets." I'm like, "No, this is great." It was kind of funny that uh, when it when it starts, you can feel something is different because, of course, it doesn't have the title crawl. Um, and it also has location titles. And yeah. I, I don't think they did that in other Star Wars. Not, maybe not, not to just, that extent. Not just that, but but say goodbye to things like the transition wipes. Yeah. And where pretty much everything that is a filmic um, Star Wars signature it and was I, rewritten. And I thought it was really great. And they, I, I think they used the lensing from uh, Hateful Eight. They used the same lensing. Oh, very cool. Um, so it was just... It was just a new way to look at Star Wars, and there was handheld shots. They were trying to get that, you know, wartime feeling sometimes. The whole, like, first act felt to me more like one of those really serious Star Wars video games from, like, the 90s. <laughs> like, like where they, they kind of invent some new aliens, or they borrow aliens. You just have to watch other. a lot of cutscenes. Yeah, it kind of reminded, I mean, obviously, much better. I'm not mm. trying to bring it down, but what I mean is that, like, 
there those video games I think were the first in Star Wars to to um, move away from the the, the Lucas the Lu- signatures. Yeah. And then that's actually something I would like to talk about. It's trying to do like wartime drama. Mm-hmm. It's trying to, and you, you can you can tell this is a product of its time. I mean, looking at like global war nowadays and stuff like that, and it, it does paint the rebels as in more of a gray brush. Yeah, and you don't have the polarization you had in the original trilogy. I, I know it's like kind of tiring because a lot of series are doing that, but I kind of liked it in the the realm of Star Wars because. Star Wars has played it so safe and stuck to That's those That's how you open, open it up a little bit. You open it up a little. I know it's like everything is like that. We're like, oh, we have to have a jaded main character who... Uh, well, look, look. An anti-hero. Com- anti-hero. You know, com- com- story is conflict. Hmm. And and you get sometimes you get to conflict by making situations more complex. One of the things I kind of dug about this was the Rebellion hadn't had a successful fight yet. Yeah. And and so they they weren't even certain of themselves. They were kind of like, uh, should we get this rebellion off the ground? Well, they they weren't even they were trying to like avoid fights. Everything yeah. they were doing was this small, well, if we go in and kill this one guy, if yeah. we go in and do this little tactic as opposed to we're going to go have a dog fight or it, it, it shows how small they are and it, sh- it shows that they're not not all on the same page. Yeah. And they're very unsure of themselves. Like you like that like the scene where they're like even just thinking whether or not the Death Star even exists. Yeah. They're like I, I like that. I, I really like that. I'm like, I don't know, if they felt like more of an organization. Like I mean, even the medal ceremony at the end of uh, mm-hmm. New Hope, you're like, oh these guys are legit. They have a big hall. They have medals. <laughs> they have their shit together. <laughs> they have uniforms. <laughs> they, they, they've been established for a while. Yeah. And I like the like uh you know the the ro- the offshoots that are more a little more radicalized, yeah. Which of course is, that know, was interesting. The yeah. Mon Calamari are just going to do their own thing no matter what, and you yeah. can't. The Mon Calamari are, are the heroes of the rebellion. That yeah. guy, that, that guy, that Mon Calamari, that Akbar grandfather guy. Oh yeah. He 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 is like he should go down in the the pages of the rebellion. Get me a hammerhead. So yeah, a new a new hope was so like uh, so only humans because they probably didn't want to spend that money much money on costumes. It was good to see the. Diversity of the <laughs> diversity of the uh, rebellion before um, a new hope, and also it recontextualizes new hope. It, it, sh- it does. It shows you that there were stakes, and I also like the retcon that the yes. exhaust shaft was it, intentional. It, it, it's really a great thing to do for that first for a new hope. It really helps a new hope out. I know it doesn't do much for Return of the Jedi, <laughs> and, and it doesn't do much, much for Star Killer. Yeah, that, that I know. It, it, it's almost <laughs> like did they, they didn't read each other's scripts. Or something. Right, right. Like, <laughs> wait, wait. We have three bases, but only one of them has an intentional uh, flaw. Star Killer has to be the biggest problem with Force Awakens, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, what was this thing? Why is this in the movie? Or if you do have Star Killer, maybe like temporarily disable it or something, mm-hmm. and move it on to another um, yeah, movie. But like. Or maybe, don't make it so easily blowed up. <laughs> so easily created and then so easily blowed up. Like yeah. to the point that you're like, well, why is this in the movie, guys? Yeah. Like what if what if they were just basically a force of of skinheads that were like working towards making a super weapon and kept, couldn't get you, it off you the You already ground. have yeah. the fear in that film of they're going to find Luke Skywalker first. Like mm. that's already the big goal there. I don't know why you had to put a Starkiller piece yeah. you know what, in this addition is, This is a little off topic, but Nina and I were talking about ways that like, because I don't really understand the First Order and the Resistance. No. Because to me, it's like, well, the Resistance is the establishment. The, the they should be able to just Republic. crush this. Yeah. The Empire fell, so the Republic presumably comes back in. We were talking about, wouldn't it be more interesting if 
really the, the First Order was a movement that had a lot of galactic support. And the reason it has so much galactic support, to make a little bit of an analogy to, to America, is um, the, the, a lot of the galaxy is remote middle America yeah. that ne- doesn't even see the Senate, that considers them a bunch that of elitists. That doesn't get off their planet, yeah. that doesn't never, get out of their country empire, on their planet. Whether it's an empire or it's a republic, I, my life doesn't change. Yeah. I like, but you know what? Come on, Shmi Skywalker didn't yeah. care what was going on. We, up there. When the empire, when the empire was here, we had some imperial outposts and some trading outposts and, that got us jobs. And life was a little bit better. And life was a little bit better, and you know what? It was a police state, yes, but it kept things. It kept money on this planet. Our, was, so, our sons could go be stormtroopers if we couldn't feed them and educate them. So, in other words, you end up with these uneducated sort of nationalists yeah. who, who who end up supporting the first order, and the republic has to kind of deal with the politics of this skinhead group. See, I think the Wouldn't problem, uh, I think the, uh, it would be interesting, but I think the problem with all of that is it's like... That's a little tough. It's a little tough. In <laughs> Star Wars, especially the main series, is more of a space opera, yeah. and so they don't go into those details. And J.J. Abrams was probably like... He just hit the bit, he just, <laughs> we, we can't even I get mean, away from Starkiller base, so... Yeah. Let's get the big Starkiller base. <laughs> so all you did was you just said... Empire and Rebellion again. Yeah, that's and like, exactly. Oh, come on, dude. Like, but but to me, like the then you just made Return of the Jedi mean nothing. And, and that's why Rogue One to me is more interesting because yeah, I agree because especially like when they were going through that city and like the the tensions between the Rebel Alliance and the Empire were just so palpable, and it reminds you of like tensions of like Ukraine and Russia. Or something. Yeah, to yeah. see to it, see an occupied city and what a, that looks an like. An occupied city and see the tensions boiling up. It's very relate, relatable. And, and, the, and the, the stakes felt real for like for a little city. Like in this moment, you don't you know you're kind of forgetting everything else that's happening in the galaxy, and the stakes are really real in this small area. And it didn't have to be five planets got blown up. I, I thought Rogue One more than any other Star Wars movie. It it, it did ask quite a bit from its audience. Oh, yeah. It did. Say like okay we'll try to imagine that the good guy is not so great and try to imagine that you know it and okay and we're gonna go to a lot of planets right and yeah. and there's not one good guy you know it mm-hmm. you know it's it was smart and uh, I know they and they do that they have that moment where um, what's the Cassian s- yeah <laughs> sneaky Mexican <laughs> <laughs> and they they kind of set him up almost like. A fuck you to Han shoots first because he just, not only does he shoot first, he then shoots a cripple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as interesting as that scene was, the only problem with it was he never did anything like it again. So unmotivated. And yeah. so, so, so instead of I think him, you're supposed to believe it was an order, and he's going to follow orders no matter what. So he's going to kill. Except he didn't. And there main was, character's the, father. He's gonna. He killed that guy. There was that little moment where he's talking uh, to Jin. Yes, Jin, Jin, and um, you should know uh, whiskey, Jin. Jin, I don't know, Qui Gon Jin. <laughs> yeah. Um, that you know he's been in this war for a long time. He's been fighting it since he was six. So he, you can kind of infer that he just takes whatever is the easiest for survival. But yeah, they, like you said, they didn't really have a moment where. I mean, they kind of have that moment where he's like, oh, should I kill that guy or not? But there, that was unmotivated. Like, there's nothing that Jin gave him, you know, that... Why does they he care about Jin so much so early? Like, like he's yeah. like, don't attack, she's on the platform. Who cares? They've gotten yeah. what they wanted from her. It's completely... It's completely... He hasn't come to respect contra- her yet. She hasn't done anything to... It like contradicts everything respect. who he is. Yeah, and... Because she's hot pants? Ladies, let that be a lesson. Get hot, and everyone will go out of their way to make sure you survive. (laughs) You know, what's funny is that Cassian, uh, I I actually thought of everybody 
had the most character. Now, I think that his art could have been better managed and better written. And I really do suspect that there is a better version of this movie out there because they do. We, we are hearing about the reshoots. We did see how many scenes in the trailer weren't in the final movie. I think there's a very different version of this movie. Now, we talked about this with Suicide Squad. Yeah. Is this just our life now that we hear all these production rumors and then we, really have frustrating. To, we have to imagine better movies every time we well, watch you, something? You were, you were excited. So just like him being excited in the theater when certain things popped up, he was like, oh, you can just walk up to a TIE fighter with a gun? This, in, in the trailer, this was an Don't exciting notion to him that, that she was gonna walk up to someone in a Tie Fighter. I like thought it was blaster. the coolest fucking imagery. Yeah, and, and then it was in the trailer not in the where film. she just marches up to a Tie Fighter. So whatever that was, was whatever was, that standoff was, wasn't. In the I was film. being funny and going like, it never occurred to me. You just walk up to a Tie Fighter, and <laughs> I just thought I was like, whatever that moment is, is gonna be kind of like heart racing. But speaking of interesting things that you can see in the universe that you just haven't seen before in a different way, like ramming the ships together, and like certain things that that, that that was fucking awesome. That, that of course can happen. Happen, but you've never seen yeah you've never seen like someone outside a TIE fighter take on that's just an interesting idea yeah. to me with a big, and with a big enough movie screen by the way just talking about that sequence really quickly he did a lot of nice stuff in terms of like if you have a fear of heights or anything like that of nose diving and like because oh, yeah. you can see the planet is so far away and there's the shield and there's your ship and so you're really feeling you know, it was, it was awesome. In the uh, Red Letter Media review, they they say that, that like Mike is making fun of people who like the film, and he's like, "Bearded men will cheer" or something like that. It's going to please lots of bearded fat guys. We're we're not the opposite of what he's talking about. <laughs> Because we generally, I think that's me, and I was fine with it. All. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm gonna buy this movie on Blu-ray and watch it a few more times. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> um, uh, speaking of things that pop-up <laughs> is... Um, Talking about some fan service? Some fan service. Now, I'm kind of on the edge of this because there's some that I really liked. It might have been a little bit overboard. I think generally, I didn't mind the fan service. The only one I didn't like was the Cantina, the Buttman. Right, <laughs> and, right. Panda Baba and uh, the other I ones. was genuinely confused. I'm not a Star Wars fan enough where I was going to recognize who that was. No. So when that happened and because, I, I, I didn't know it was a fan service, I was like, why is this? I don't know any fan interaction. Stupid. It's because, too stupid. Because, because, because I, I, according to the timeline, they're in Moss Eisley like a few days later. Mm. That's number one. Number two, they exchange the same dialogue with just everyone they meet. Yeah. Uh, and spoiler alert, they get out of Jetta before it's like explode. exploded. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so, so I, they and, and, and three, it was completely incidental to anything that was going on. So yeah. it, it felt very tacked on and, and gratuitous to me. But that was the only one. Tar Tarkin, he's got to be there. Yeah. Um, CG or not. R2 and 3PO, they're going to be... They're going to be there. They're going to be there in a hot minute. So I... As a matter of fact, I would have liked to have seen them for for maybe like a little scene with Captain Antilles and, mm -hmm. and maybe Bail Organa or something. Would have I actually really really enjoyed when when uh, Jimmy Smits <laughs> walked oh, I out. I did too. It was it was a really good moment, and it was, it's, it was like, wow, he's it's a thing from the prequels. I'm not pissed to see. I'll be honest with you, I, I <laughs> I'm, I'm because the prequels are here to stay. <laughs> I'm looking for things in these new movies that will kind of nudge the prequels into place and yeah. make, make it a little, okay, I'll give you an example of something. I know we're going to talk about Vader later, but if there's a scene where Vader's in his back to tank and they only show his eyes and his skull for like a quick second, mm. right? And it's probably more effective that they right. did it the way they did it. But if it had been, if the actor that was in there hap just happened to be Hayden Christensen, all bald and scarred and all fucked, I, I would have liked that because yeah. because it would have furthered you know and then out comes real Darth Vader that would have felt good to me yeah like I'm looking for thing I'm looking for little things like that well you can find that in the 
Darth Vader story in five years. Yes, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. He, I'm, I'm sure that his end scene with his lightsaber tested so damn well that, like... It was so fucking awesome. <laughs> it was pretty great. <laughs> I spoke to... I was, I was speaking to somebody who, who did not see the movie but heard about the scene and tried to make this argument that, like, he's always scariest when he's not killing people. And I'm like, I don't see anything wrong with no. Dar- Darth Vader going on a little killing no, spree. In, in, in A New Hope, when I... Again, I kind of watched them as almost an adult, like a teenager. It was the first time I was really watching them. I didn't really get it in A New Hope because it was the first thing I was seeing. I was yeah. like, he's like the big villain of he's the Star Wars from some other guy. He's kind of yeah. like a kicked puppy, but like he has some powers, but he's got to like keep him on lockdown. He wasn't scary then. And he didn't do anything all that spectacular. I mean, he got in a little sword fight with an old man, yeah. and then he like flew a plane. Uh, <laughs> and got like shot out of space. Yeah, so it was good to see him kind of like unchained and not like whining about um, Padme and stuff like that while he's doing it. You know, I thought they were going to put him in his tie advance at some point because yeah, yeah. Now, now that we've seen all this Darth Vader lore, isn't it a little strange that like that doesn't it feel so out of character that he gets in a tie advance in a new hope? Yeah. Like, yeah, he's yeah. like, oh, I'll get in a plane. <laughs> it feels so... We've been doing it. He, he... <laughs> <laughs> uh, other fan service moments. Um, Bail Organa refers to, like, you know, I'll, we'll, we'll send the plans to uh, in a droid to uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm down with that. I, I want it for the plot glue. Yeah. You know? well, he, other... he, well, he's referring to Leia. He's like, I, I would, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. send it with someone I would trust with my life. But to the Jedi, he says. the Je- yeah. Your Jedi friend. Yeah. But he wasn't planning on her putting it in the droid. He was just yeah, planning giving it but, to her. But 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 I'm down with all that because otherwise, what happens is you're like, so they flew over a, a, a desert planet. They shot it out of a pod. They, you know, do you understand the sacrifice they just went through to get those plans? Yeah, yeah. And now you're just going to shoot it onto the desert, and then thank God it ends up with the one Jedi left. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you referring to the plot from the last Star Wars movie where random BB-8 lands on random planet with like the one Jedi left in the movie? Yeah. What are you talking about, Ray? Yes. I'm calling that movie out still. <laughs> I'm telling you, Rogue One's helping all these movies out, but it can't. It can't reach Force Awakens. But speaking of uh, Rogue One helping out movies, do you? think you need to see New Hope to watch this movie. Maybe. I think so. I, well, I'd be interested to hear what somebody else thinks. Yeah, who hasn't seen it? Yeah, but I I, I think that it's one of those things I where... I think you need to be super familiar with it, but I think yeah. you've got to know the story that happened. Do you think that's a problem? Well, it's like, I don't know, like some stories are told out of order, right? I mean, yeah. you know, it's some, if it was all one movie, then maybe you would flash back. And, you know, it's like, do you watch Better Call Saul before Breaking Bad? Well, you could, mm. but... I would recommend Breaking Bad first and then well, go speaking back. Speaking of yeah. the world we live in now where all of the movies we see are going to have been retrofitted and we'll have heard the behind-the-scenes stuff, I think this is the world we live in now of just cinematic universes. Like, eventually, there's no way you're going to have right. caught every film in the order it was released. I, look, I, I, I think that um, if I was, the, if I was the, the curator of the Star Wars universe, I think that this, you know, this Rogue One is advertised as, like, a standalone story. I don't think it's a standalone story. Yeah. I think it's episode 3.5. Yeah. And, and you know, there, there are characters that are in the main saga that are all over this thing. I think ideally you would watch one, you know, ideally. I, I don't think it would work well. Uh, like, I don't even think you should watch the prequels before you should watch the original. I don't think you, you should watch, watch the prequels at all. Yeah, You actually. should watch the original trilogy. Watch the prequels if you really want to. And, and, uh, and I am totally not into this fucking... Uh, machete. Machete order bullshit. 
Fuck you, Machete Order. Can I tell you like how many? I don't, it doesn't matter how you watch those prequels; they suck. We're gonna watch them upside down while drinking vodka, and and they'll get good. Yeah, no. Like guys, no. Like, but you okay? Only watch half of Final Phantom Menace and do no, 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 no. Just watch the original trilogy. If you want to watch the prequels, watch the prequels. And then you can watch all the rest of the bullshit. Move on with When are you fucking idiots gonna <laughs> admit to yourselves that they are garbage movies? Yeah. How many how many good Star Wars movies are, is Disney gonna have to release before you'll let it go? <laughs> the prequels movies were terrible. Yeah. Don't watch them. Who, or, who's rewatching them? No one's rewatching them. Everyone's just going and watching the Plinket reviews and laughing. That's why everyone is so familiar with the films, yeah. not because they've rewatched them a million times. No, they get pissed at me. Oh, the, yeah, the, 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 fact that, the, the fact that that clip was in there just now of me saying that about the prequels. Well, that right there is 15 downvotes. Hey, yeah. Just automatic. People love those prequels, man. Yeah, I mean, the J.J. Abrams cartoon we put out definitely shows that. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're not good, though, seriously. I mean, by, by objective standard. Now, if you enjoy them, I think that's fa- fabulous. Mm. I mean, if you enjoy bad movies, then I, yeah. um, if you enjoy Showgirls, I'm very happy for you. I think they're in... in... <laughs> if, if you went to go see Office Christmas Party and it was like your jam, that's great. Yeah, but, like... but it's bad. If you want to appreciate... <laughs> The uh, Jimmy Smith's cameo. Watch the prequels. <laughs> um, I still don't know who the fuck the character is, though. That's yeah, a problem. That is a problem. Is he a king? Presumably. Uh, presum- yeah, he's a king of the planets. <laughs> he's a king of the planet? <laughs> is he the whole planet? There's been like, there's been a- is he king of the world? <laughs> Folks, there's been like 10 of these movies, and I still don't know if he's the king of the planet. <laughs> this is the problem with Star Wars. It never gets around to talk to explaining itself. It's something I was saying earlier today. It's like, I'm a little disappointed that like, and hopefully Ryan Johnson will help out with oh, this. Yeah. I think Ryan Johnson is like a pre-male filmmaker, so I think episode eight's going to be really good. But he's going to, unfortunately, I watch Force Awakens and I go, ooh, he's going to have to fix that. He's going to have to patch that up. He's going to have to explain that because that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But, like, I'm disappointed that, that Han and Luke will never have a final moment together. You yeah. know, like Return of the Jedi was it. I'm yeah. disappointed. You could slip another film in there. Maybe a flashback yeah. or something. I'm disappointed that, uh, that we'll never know if, um, we'll never see the moment where Leia found out that Vader was her father. Yeah. Right? We don't, she, that doesn't happen in Return of the Jedi. No. And, and I remember in the books, the Expanded Universe books when I was a kid, reading those and her finding that out and being a lot more um, unresolved about it because she never got to actually interact with him any other way besides her, him torturing her. Yeah. But Luke has all Maybe we'll get a it. creepy CG scene where she figures <laughs> it out. Yeah. Let's talk about the creepy CG. All right. <laughs> um, creepy CG. So... A Grand Moff Tarkin, I thought, I love the moment when um, Krennic walks in and you see the reflection. You're like, holy shit, it's Peter Cushing. And I thought they were going to just stay in the reflection. Me too. too. And then when he turned around and you you did see the Uncanny Valley, it was a little bit, especially they kept coming back to him and you kept. They were very confident that it was working. Yeah. And and, and it's it's great technology and it it looks almost there. 60% of the time it looks looks uncanny. Yeah. And then the other 40% of the time, you're like, oh, the li-. you know what I notice is like the lips don't impact yeah. the way that real human lips do? Yeah, and, 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 and when movement kind of s- stops weird, yeah. it's like a, it's like um, like an easy e- ease in tween you do on letters and, and, and text. It looks almost right, but it's, it's not quite there. So you have to like animate that. Why not just leave them in a wide shot? Yeah, uh, that's what I was saying. Either leave him, leave him sort of in shadow, wide shot. Did it seem like the that his anim the lens that was on his animation wasn't quite matching the yeah. the, the f- photography? Well, I think that's comes from actually using those those vintage lenses. Yeah. Is that they have a lot of 
characteristics that you might not be able to easily like reproduce with just like having digital camera in a, a 3D um, animation device. Mm. And um, so I, I heard that it was like a I, his name escapes me now, but the guy who played him on set um, is like a famous UK actor who was mm. like a big Peter Cushing fan. And you know, it, and it was like a very thankless job to basically yeah. just be the P- Peter Cushing double. Well, and they couldn't announce it. They couldn't be like, "We're yeah. gonna have Grand Moff Tarkin no, in this," because you wanted it to be this big moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was a great moment, and but it kind of overstayed its welcome because <laughs> you kept returning to him. I, I'm glad to see him. I mean, Tar- Tarkin has always been a really interesting Star Wars character. He's not mentioned ever again after A New Hope. Mm-hmm. He's not mentioned at all in the prequels, except for that one mm-hmm. weird moment where he's walking around end. on the deck and you're like, oh, him. Man. Um, he, you know, I, I don't remember hearing much about him in the books. Um, and he's such, a, he's such a very strong visual presence in New Hope. He's Peter fucking Cushing, you know, like like one of cine- horror cinema's greatest actors. Um, which we actually, this past Halloween, we dove into the Hammer Horror movies, mm-hmm. which he's, he's of course, Van Helsing, and he's um, uh, Dr. Frankenstein and all this stuff, and he is amazing in those <laughs> movies. I mean, he, the pro- the thing is, the movies, I, I don't want to get killed for saying this, the movies aren't the best movies in the world, but he's like the best actor in the world when he's in them, yeah. and he's very physical, and he's funny, and he's charming, and he's interesting, and... Super he, evil. So, so when you cast him as your admiral, you ain't just casting any yeah. admiral, you're casting Peter Cushing, and so so he, and I think he has that impact on A New Hope, I think I think his total cumulative time in A New Hope is something like 12 minutes. Well, yeah, I mean, he must have made a huge impact, because to me, he struck me as a small, again, not being a huge star, small character, mm-hmm. so when he when he shows back up, I'm like, oh, yeah. But it wasn't like, wow. Well, well it's not incidental that Vader takes orders from him like three times. Yeah. And, you know, I should have expected to find you holding Vader's leash. Mm-hmm. Or um, Well, again, this is why when I saw the first movie, I was like, oh, Vader's not yeah. like a big baddie. Yeah, he's, like a, he's like a, he's a thug. Yeah. Well, and, but when you, exactly. But when you, when you see Empire and Jedi and you find out that he's basically running the galaxy, but with one master, you're like, why was he taking orders from Tarkin? And you're yeah. like, well, it was either because he was respecting Chain of Command, or because he actually respects that man. Yeah. And that makes you want to learn more about that character. Yeah. We're like, who is this guy? And I'm not sure if I learned that in this movie. Yeah, so sadly. I, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering why they leaned on him so heavily. They, they, um, they did, they did Im- imply that he has kind of a direct line to the Emperor, yeah. though. They, they, yeah, they were using him to give Krennic more motivation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, which was effective for Krennic. <laughs> like, essentially, you know, like I kind of dug the way he was like, Vader will take care of the fleet, and I'll take care of the, you know, I'm the admiral of this weapon, mm. and Vader, you know, essentially he and Vader are the emperor's right hands. Yeah, they just they have different priorities and they respect one another. Mm. I would have liked to see more story about that. I wonder also for the technology on that on Grand Moff Tarkin, is, you know, a lot of this they use that for. Um, for Marvel movies, the same technology for... The Robert Downey Jr. Young. Robert Downey Jr., Mike Douglas. Right. And I wonder if it looks better on them because they actually have the actors I think so. there I to think so. be a reference. They look really good in those movies. I, I, in, a, in a way, I'm kind of glad they are trying it, but it's not there yet. And it, and it will be weird in the future when you're probably going to have digital Luke. You're probably going to have... Well, so maybe. Carrie Fisher is dead now. <laughs> yeah. And they, they uh, you know, I, I hear they finished episode eight, but episode nine's the real concern. Mm. Because, like, so what are you going to do? Say that she died, like, off camera? Yeah, uh, like, this is one explosion. of the biggest characters in this whole series. And what you're going to be like, she died in an explosion. Or she Paul Walker and started a new family. Somewhere. I was thinking, like, maybe they could do a thing where the entire rebel base gets destroyed. And they're like, where's Leia? Oh, and that, then, yeah, you know, and they yeah. never find the body or something you know some people were saying that it might not be totally 
classy to have Peter Cushing CG. Then maybe it's disrespectful to the actor. I'm sure but the I, uh, Peter Cushing estate. They're okay with it. Yeah, I'm sure they're okay with it. <laughs> I mean, the guy died 25 years ago, 26 years ago. I, I think he died in 1990. And um, you think they started the stopwatch? On, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's. On, on when is it okay for us to put Princess Leia back in? They're like, well, 25 years is the current record. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when she just died, and you're like CGing her up just to kill her and stuff. Yeah. Like they, they. So not only do they have to make her absence make sense in their story, they also have to do it in a tasteful way. Yeah. So they've totally. I can tell. I mean, she at the date of filming this she died like five days ago yeah they are scrambling right now I'm trying sure. to figure out what the hell to do about this I'm sure board meeting after board meeting it's not <laughs> probably not pretty they're, they're like alright who else do we have to clear out just in case we got Harrison out of this we gotta get Mark out of this soon yeah. we don't know yeah. how Mark's I, what I was wondering um, this is uh, jumping topics here but isn't the prequels they the, the bug people designed the, the desk yeah bar? how come Hannibal Lecter designed it this time yeah <laughs> what <laughs> happened there <laughs> or maybe they, they think thought of the concept and then Hannibal Lecter uh, finished it off <laughs> I mean I'd rather just try to forget about the prequels if I can you yeah. know as much as possible uh, yeah. until Jimmy Smith shows up well there's CG Carrie Fisher I thought that she looked like perfect and then terrible and then perfect and then terrible it's like in those like 10 seconds you're like <laughs> well I think Carrie Fisher just has a very distinct face yeah. which I think is even like she kind of looks different. Like that's what made her very striking is that she has that yeah, kind of face. Yeah. I think it's when I, you're trying to make a 3D model out of a reference image. I think I think just think she's just hard to model. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she looked I, puffy. So she sometimes looked, she's very feminine. Sometimes she's very strong. Harsh. Sometimes she looks like older, younger. Yeah. It's just, I heard that when she said hope, that really was from that was real. That was her actual voice. Really? Yeah. They they found it in some archival oh, okay. audio or something. It's pretty weird to you know a day or two after she died, we saw the movie again. It's pretty weird to see her up on screen with with her just having died. And yeah. It's just very strange timing. Can you imagine like if you died and like in theaters when you died, there was like a weird young EJ, EJ in the movie? <laughs> and then, and then, your, and then your mom dies a few days later. That's a day later. I mean, I can make... Mind-blowing. That was mind-blowing. She blowing. died of a broken heart. Yeah, yeah she died of a broken heart. <laughs> she lost the little balloon. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no. no. This is this is the second character that we've seen, you know. So first, Maz, Kata, right? Maz, Maz, whatever in the from Force Awakens, and now Donnie Kanata. Yen, Maz Kanata, and now Donnie Yen, who uh, who are like Force users that aren't Jedi Knights. Yeah, I actually liked that a lot. Yeah. I liked, especially when they're they're in the city and he's like kind of kind of saying religious nonsense. It reminded me of those scenes in Game of Thrones that are nice world-building scenes where you have, like, some guy just yelling about a religion, and it doesn't really matter what they're saying. It, so I think even out of context, if you didn't know anything about the Force and you saw that scene, it would, it would be a good world-building thing of this this monk who who yeah. is... Um, I thought I, I, I liked aspects of his character, even if he wasn't very fleshed out. I liked them killing all the main characters. I thought that was a good... I, I, I agree. I thought yeah. it was really... Again, it was very un... Star Warsy to just murder everybody. <laughs> so I, I remember when I was kind of psyched for this movie, one of the reasons was because I, I had a sense that ain't nobody making it out of this alive. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of like, I thought like, this is going to be like this foreboding story about like, they here, here, here are the, the silent unnamed heroes of the rebellion, you know, that, yeah. that you'll, that, no one sings songs about, and nobody knows anything about, but they died for this rebellion. And without them, nothing happens. But then, like, the metal scene at the end of A New Hope is kind of like, 
you guys never gave a shit about these people. <laughs> you never did anything for them. You gave like, I mean, I know you didn't give Chewie a medal. That was kind of shitty, but you gave other people random medals. That's realistic, you know? People who get shit done uh, yeah. are never remembered, and the people who just pull the switch. <laughs> Makes you wonder why you do any of it. <laughs> of things we never pay off, like the octopus guy. We never pay off her stupid necklace. I'm thinking she's gonna have oh. to use it as a power source. Yeah. It's gonna get jammed into a lightsaber at some point, telling me that's what powers lightsabers. <laughs> it's just nothing. Maybe it was cut out. I don't know. But I think like that that foreboding tone I was talking about. They, they it could have been sold even better if they if the whole movie had a little bit of that dourness to it. Some people were complaining about that this movie wasn't fun and adventure enough, and I'm like, you got another eight movies that yeah. you can watch, dude. I mean, well, uh, prequels aside, I suppose. Yeah. If you're going to crap one of these out a year, it's okay if some of them are a little different than the last. Yeah, even though we knew that they were going to get the plans, I did like, because you, you didn't know what the fate of every character was. And I, no. I liked... I, I, I liked I liked not knowing what was going to happen to me. Well, nobody... Fucking nobody makes it off that planet. Yeah. Like that planet is is you know foregone by the Empire. Yeah. Um. So so I I liked that. Oh. Um. One thing I was when you watch the title crawl for A New Hope, it says, you know, the the rebellion just won its first battle against the Empire. That's mm-hmm. one of the things it says, and they never talk about that in A New Hope, but it yeah. says that in the title crawl. And so to me, I think I would say like if somebody said, "What's Rogue One about?" I don't know if I'd say it's about getting the Death Star plans. I would say it's about the the rebellion's first. Successful battle uh, yeah, against the, the Empire. Which, but that's which, just the last third of it. The rest of it is all about the guy who designed <laughs> the Death Star. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a strike against the Empire based on that. But it's, you know, I, I think I think the, the more meaningful story in there is the formation and formalization of the rebellion. If you look at it more like American colonists versus, you know, the British Empire, it's kind of like not until they have a successful strike are they really a, a, a movement? Well, yeah. I, I think I would have liked to have seen more of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do like what was threaded in, but it was usually told from, like, they're talking to Jin, and this mm-hmm. comes out, that they're not quite all on the same page. I would have liked to have seen more of the behind-the-scenes of what's I going would have on too. with them. Yeah. Uh, and I think there was more of that in the original draft. I think there Because I feel like I saw some of it in the trailer. Yeah. I actually really... I know this was a strike against in some reviewers to just throw in a bunch of Star Wars-y stuff, ATSDs and uh, AT-ATs and uh, all that stuff, but I actually really liked recontextualizing mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like, of course this would be exist in the universe, and of course they would use it to, <laughs> again. In, we also in got we, we got Y wings, we got B wings, yeah. we got Thai advances, we had Thai bombers. I think at some point. Or yeah, Thai bombers. I, I liked seeing them all being used because it's just it, that is that moment in time. Yeah, like you know, you had the Naboo fighters, you had in in the prequels, yeah, you had those, you yeah. you had the new de- new designs for the X wings in the in the Force Awakens and the new design for the stormtroopers. In this period of time, there's AT-ATs, there's ATSDs, there's all this, and it, it, just, it, it was interesting to see them doing different things, doing what they're designed to do. I think you only saw Thai bombers like for a couple moments in the original trilogy. So I, I heard Max Landis say something I thought was kind of interesting about some of these reboots and remakes, and he said, you know, it's like, in the, it, it, this was a critique of the Force Awakens. It was a critique of Jurassic World, which was all you get are X-wings and Tie fighters, no other ships, no, you know, almost nothing else. All you get is Raptor and T-Rex. Mm-hmm. You don't get all those different dinosaurs and all that, you know, that gradient. And um, 
And what he's trying to say is that like these movies are just working off of the most recognizable and memorable thing, you know, iconography uh, from the originals. And I thought Rogue One wasn't really guilty of that, even though I feel like people are accusing it of that. It wasn't like the prequels, which I felt like saved nothing. It was all it did was lightsaber. It leans really heavily on like lightsabers feel like Star Wars, right? Yeah, and this actually used those machines to show a Star War, <laughs> and, and and it focused on that, and which they never did in the And, and it makes the battles that then happen later on higher stakes yes. in, in the exactly. original trilogy, because like, oh, these, this is all the equipment they have, so when they show up to fight in other battles, you're like, okay, we, we've seen these be destructive before. Can I give you a pitch sure. for the Han Solo movie? Yes. This, I had uh, Zach laughing with this earlier, so I'm going to tell you this now. You know, I don't know. The whole movie happens. <laughs> and then, um, and then like, at the very end, they're in, like, a cantina, and you don't know which cantina. And then, like, you pass by one of the people from the cantina, and then, like, Chewie goes up to the bar for a drink, and then, like, a CG Alec Guinness turns to him and is like, I need a ship. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that feel so much like something they would do? Because yes. it's like exactly what they did. I, 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 every movie I probably will do that yeah, at the end of every single one. <laughs> 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 a cloaked somebody. There'll be a CG Qui-Gon Jinn going, even though Liam Neeson's still alive. Yeah, right, like, right, yeah, they don't care. It's got, like, missing frames from rendering. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Their mouths will just flap open. I, I, think, I, I think Disney um, isn't very happy with Rogue One. So what, what do you base that on? I, I don't know. It's Maybe it's more of a feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe it's because there was extensive reshoots uh, to make... Because I think they wanted it to be less war movie dower and more of those uh, sprinkle more of those it, it doesn't feel like it plays well to kids it doesn't feel like it plays well to clone wars fans. I, I wouldn't bring a six-year-old to that movie yeah it's 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 for it's, the vader scene alone it's got oh, it's, it's, for the for the beach death scene yeah, alone yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's got a, a such a different tone which i i appreciate as yeah, oh, yeah. Um, an adult and um but I think they they saw what Gareth Edwards made. They made him do reshoots, recuts to make it a little more Star, Star Wars fun romp adventure. And I think they're gonna probably overcorrect. To to sort of agree with you, I think that they took. They think that they took too much of a risk too early. I think they want to get to this point where they pull away yeah. from that saga because then they really can open things up. And I guess time will tell if Star Wars either only works if these core elements are present. Or if it works when it's really off book and it's yeah. really trying new things, you know, time will tell. I mean, they don't get to test that out in Marvel. Marvel's not a sandbox. Yeah. Marvel, Marvel is like now this character, now this character, now this character, all of whom you know. Yeah. And we, and if you don't know very well, we establish, and then we recontextualize with all the ones you do know. So Marvel always gets to take these really safe chess moves, mm-hmm. but they, I think they want to get to the point with Star Wars where they're telling you stories about weirdos in the desert. That, yeah, that you've like never... a random, random bounty hunter that's not Boba Fett or a story Yeah, like ten that. movies from now, there's nobody in the movie you've ever seen in a Star Wars film. If we could get away from the attractive 20-somethings, that would be cool. Yeah. If we want to talk about diversity, I can't keep watching... 20-something women being... Well, you know, I, I do have to agree with you that, like, for as much as I... As I think it is great to have female protagonists like that, uh, it's a little weird that... Because you know, it's clearly trying to... You know, there's some agenda there, and that's okay. But, like, why must they be so... Like, 
clothing models. Why must they be the same ones? Yeah. Why must they be fitness models? Well, why can't? Yeah. Why couldn't it be an old woman? Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, that won't test well. It's like, oh, well, yeah. E- even <laughs> I thought you were trying to do something. Even an old woman. I could have taken like a forty-year-old woman. Maybe right. maybe she's got like young kids, and that's part of like the stakes of something, or like her the son. Adventures of Shmi Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. I look, man. I want a Darth Plagueis movie. Yeah. Um, I, did I say it last year? On, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> is, is Lord Schnooky uh, going to be Darth Plagueis? I think we got to... Well, that's one thing that, that... That's one direction they could take this whole thing in, is they could do some Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. 2,000 years prior to all these events. Yeah, that, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, oh, my God, they're building a Death Star. No! We've got to blow it up. I don't know. It is a hard question to say. It's like, do you think that you will be... With the, a new movie every year, there's going to be the exhaustion. I'm the, concerned. Con- the fatigue. I mean, I, I'm not really feeling it yet because I don't really... Like, I'm not basing my life on seeing these movies. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I, I go to them and I see them and I love, I'm like, wow, red leader, gold leader, that's so cool, mm. and I leave. You know, if, if, if I was the kind of Star Wars fanatic now that I was when I was 10... I think this would sort of ruin my experience, though. Yeah. Like, where I watched A New Hope, I couldn't even tell you how many times I watched A New Hope. Oh, yeah. Probably 200. You know, because I had it on VHS and just every night before I went to bed. Wore that shit out. Oh, yeah. Just wore, wore it into the ground. And, and I, you know, Force Awakens and Rogue One aren't those movies. Yeah. I don't think they're, they're, you know, as good as they are, I don't think they're those movies for anybody. I think as uh, Star Wars follow-ups, they're okay. Yeah, and I think Rogue They're One... They're padding. I think Rogue... Yeah, for, for getting your little member berry fix, they're pretty okay. Yeah. And uh, I think Rogue One, uh, you know, it's a good start. But it's, it's, it's a, it's a TV series now. I mean, we, yeah. we binge-watch TV, but do, ki- kid, do kids watch the same episodes of shows over and you over You can't again? catch lightning in a bottle more than once. You know, it's like... Doing Marvel, right, or, or rebooting Batman... Is is like okay? It's it's the modern age. We're rebooting this, or we've got this marketing or the storytelling strategy, sort of. Or you know, Marvel is more like TV than movies, really. That's kind of one thing because 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 there's no there's no there's no original classic that's at the center of it all that you're building off of and you're trying to be as good at all as good as all the time. What they're doing with Star Wars is kind of like making a Wizard of Oz expanded universe. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's like Ghostbusters. No, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah done a lot shittier, <laughs> but but I mean, yeah, good point. But Wizard, I would say Wizard of Oz even more so because as classic as Ghostbusters is, I still don't think it touches Star Wars. I think like Wizard of Oz is one of the few movies that kind of touches Star Wars. Mm-hmm. There's a fucking movie that was made in 1938, yeah, and kids are still watching that movie. Yeah, oh yeah, you know, and it stands up too. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. There's nothing racist in it. I don't think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's they'll find something. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, can you imagine if like Disney just bought Wizard of Oz and they're gonna make a Wizard of Oz movie every year? It's gonna be more and more of a spectacle. It'd, it'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, it'll be the same as Star Wars. There'll be some that are good, some that are okay. Or or it would be like, <laughs> or it'd be like, you know, they bought all things Tolkien. Yeah. And they're gonna make new Middle Earth movies every year for oh, yeah. you know, like. Uh-huh. Mm. It's it's uh you know I love Middle Earth and I'd love to go back but uh, maybe I don't now that I saw the Hobbit. It's <laughs> funny on the um, the George Lucas cartoon every fucking week somebody's like well that's basically what Peter Jackson did with the Hobbit. I know I want to put up an annotation that's like I this was made in two thousand two. Yeah. Like, we now know you can't go home again. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, that's I all think, I've got to say. I think that's all we got to say about the Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to end this one. It's got a mug. It's pretty pretty. Isn't it cute? It's cute. It's, is that a new one or an old one? This is an old Stormtrooper. This is an original Stormtrooper. How do we you know? Tell, 
Because they like the new ones have these this like black kind of straight lines around them. Yeah, I wonder if in the expanded universe, like they they say what all that stuff does. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm I, sure it cripples them. Did, and did, I, it cost, <laughs> did it cost cutting measures? <laughs> you know, what I will say about uh, stormtroopers is that um, I kind of like. I like their little butts. Their little butts always look cute, yeah. and their and their little white. And that's where we're gonna end it. <laughs>